Good morning, everyone. Well, hello. My name is Julian, uh, along with my wonderful wife, Libby. Uh, I'm one of the senior pastors here. Uh, And it is great to have you on a a great summer Sunday where I'm just so impressed that you have arrived and you've all got your notifications turned off, haven't you? I mean, I'm not going to be getting a ping with a score update. Uh, with the three lines bringing it home today from Spain. Um, we, we're we're going to finish bang on 12 o'clock, and you've got about 25 minutes where you can get home and maybe, I don't know, if it will be, end up in a penalty shootout or something like that, but you might be able to catch uh, the last remnants of the game. So, uh, But we are going to pray for them as well. I think that's important later on. Um, we, we've been going through a series that's just come to an end last week, and I'd encourage you, uh, if, you're, if you're calling this church your home, uh, go and spend a little bit of time looking back over that. But we thought for the next th- three weeks, we'd talk about uh, thoughts of the faithful. And what we mean by that is our thoughts as a church, as God takes us forward in these coming years, that how we consider ourselves and how we consider others. We've spent a long time sort of laying the foundations a little bit at what we understand by the things we've talked about over the past six, seven, eight weeks. Um, but really, this is how we consider ourselves and our role in serving God uh, in the area of Sutton. And so we're doing a three-week mini-series. Uh, these are leading thoughts um, that we want to be known as, as the community of believers, that we want to be known as or known for uh, as a church. And so we're going to be exploring those. And today we're going to take a look at the church, championing the church. Uh, and that term is one you'll be familiar with, no doubt. You have come to church this morning. Uh, hands up if you're aware that's what you were doing when you arrived. Uh, you thought, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to church. And so here we are, uh, we're in church, but we all mean something maybe different by that term from time to time. Like if you ask the average non-Christian, uh, what is a church? The answer they'll give you will probably be something like it's a stone building with a steeple, has a bell, uh, and I will probably go there on occasion for a wedding. That would normally be the stereotypical idea of church, but that's not really what the Bible meant by church. That's not where the word comes from. And um, as always, it, it wouldn't be a sermon from me if I didn't include a little bit of Greek. Uh, it's the original language of the New Testament, and every now and then it just helps us. And the word for church appears 115 times, and it's the word ecclesia. Uh, everyone say ecclesia. Uh, it's where we get the, the term ecclesiastical. It's a theological term, but, but really it refers to the church. And it's a compound word made up of two things, ek and ecclesia. Ek means out, and ecclesia uh, means called. So we're called out. That's what the church is. It's called out. It's not so much a physical place, but it's more a type of people. And it was never meant to be a building. It was never meant to be understood as a place you go to, but more so as a people that you are. So when you think about it in those terms, it's a little bit strange to say I'm going to church, right? Because it's kind of like I'm going to a people, I'm going to a community. Uh, And so really, it's not about place, but it's about uh, personhood. And actually, it's been used to describe Christians uh, in the first century who were following Jesus, that this people that gathered together for Christ were called out. And it's actually the same term used for the nation of Israel before the arrival of Jesus, That actually Israel was understood to be a people that were called out of the world. They were set aside for the purposes of God. And we get that same term used for us, for those of us who follow Jesus. The church is not a building, but a people. We don't go to church. We interact as the church. 
Now that's kind of encouraging because sometimes you can say, well, I've missed church. But actually when you go gather with other Christians, you find yourself in the place of church. And so that's what we mean. I just wanted to hang some definitions on that to set the scene that it's not a building, but a conglomeration of people filled with faith. And when you hear me preach and you hear my wife preach, from time to time, you'll hear us say something like the community of believers. And the reason we say that is because that more aptly describes what we mean by church. And the thing is, with church, uh, if it's more about a, a group of people, there's times where we can feel located and dislocated in church, right? There's times where we feel more connected and less connected. And I want you to just think about uh, a moment this morning. What's the worst injury you ever had in your childhood? Like, what's the worst thing you experienced? Just bring it to the forefront of your mind right now. Uh, for some of you, it will be, you know, cuts, uh, scrapes, broken bones maybe. It might be just some accident you had on a bike as a child, slips, trips, and falls. Uh, the most painful mishap I ever had was when I was 12 years old. Uh, and I've got my mum here. She's staying with me this weekend. So you probably won't even know some aspects of this story. So revelation time. Uh, when I, when I was 12, we had this 15-mile uh, club in school, and it's, it's basically where you just run uh, miles and miles, as many as you can across the, the spring months to rack up a bit of fitness. And so uh, we were doing well at the 15-mile club, and one day there was a lightning strike. It hit a tree, and the tree fell over the track, and it was a massive tree. So rather than cut it down and move it out of the way, they decided this was an added element to the 15-mile club, right? So, so uh, let's, I don't know if there was any safety check on this, but the idea was that we'd have to run over it uh, or climb over the tree. And the problem with doing a 15-mile club for months and months is that the track you're running on when it's a field just becomes like slippery mud. It's all just like a, a slip and slide. And so one rainy day, we're running the 15-mile club and the tree's in the distance and there's mud everywhere. You sort of... Um, I guess kind of like almost running on sinking sand and, and we're slipping from left to right and I see the tree and I try to build up a bit of speed and I hit the tree full pelt running force with my knee. And what's essentially happened, I don't know if you can see it, but I've got a misshapen knee. And what had happened was somehow my shin is about a centimeter or two forward from my kneecap. And rather than telling my mum, Rather than telling my dad, rather than saying I've injured myself, I just sort of put up with it. Uh, and, and the pain, week in, week out, got worse and worse and worse. And I think something's probably just broken and it's now set like this forever. Every winter comes round, my knee aches. And it's all because I had this little sports injury when I was 12 years old that I didn't tell anybody about. And when you find something that's out of alignment or, or disconnected, it can be a little bit painful, can't it? Like, whenever you, you are dislocated or feeling out of sorts, everything hurts. For me, it's my knee. When it's out of place, it's in pain. But actually, that's true spiritually. When we're out of place and we're out of sync, we can feel that pain emotionally. And we can feel that pain a little bit spiritually from time to time. Or maybe you've had that thing where you do DIY at home. Is any, anyone handy in the room? DIYers? Uh, I'm going to count putting Ikea furniture together. So raise your hand if you're an Ikea putter together. I think that's the official title. And there's always that moment when you are in the room, there's you and whoever you're assembling it with. Pick that partner carefully. Uh, and one of you will open the instructions, the other one will probably ignore the instructions. And so you try to work it out and you get that one piece and rather than fitting it where it should go, you try and hammer it in place. 
right? You just you think, I'm going to smack it with a hammer. It will go. I will make it go. I've always lived by the rule. If at first you don't succeed, hit it with a hammer. I think it's a good rule to live by. But when you do that with an IKEA furniture set, there's going to be problems, right? It's not going to work. It's not going to fit together. Or if it does, it's not going to look the way that it should have looked. And it got me thinking about this idea of dislocation in my spiritual life, this idea of dislocation that we sometimes feel in the church. And I'm not talking particularly so much about our church, but the church in general, like the, the church as it's known to the world, the church as it's known to the public. But of course, we need to consider some things about that. And in John 17, which we're going to look at a little bit later on, uh, if you want to get ahead in your Bibles, if you've uh, got them on your phone or, or an old school physical copy, more than welcome to bring those. Uh, we're going to be in John 17 later, and there's this beautiful prayer that Jesus prays. We don't really get an insight into Jesus praying, except on this occasion and the Lord's prayer, and I think in one other location. But Jesus prays this prayer that we might be united and find a blessing because of it, because of our unity together. And there's always this pull between dislocation and unity. And over the centuries, uh, we've seen efforts move forward and backwards in the church, trying to wrestle life's issues through, trying to wrestle through identity uh, as a church and as a faith community, and try to wrestle with what does it mean to bring the good news of Jesus to all of the world. And over the centuries, we've seen many aspects of church. If you're brand new to church and you've never been in a place like this before, you might be aware that there are different kinds of churches. You might be aware that there's something like a Methodist church or an Anglican church or a Vineyard church or an Assemblies of God church. And you might be thinking, wow, is this just like lots of franchises? It's just like lots, you know, is this like Burger King and McDonald's and KFC? And it, it's not, that's not really the idea, but you start to look at that and think, wow, what's happening with the bigger picture of the church? And the danger is, is that we should never become a house divided, right? We should never become a house that's divided because a house that's divided cannot stand. And so over the centuries, there has been uh, several expressions of church. There's been Anabaptists, Gnostics, Montanists, Catholics, Protestants, Methodists, Anglicans, Baptists, Pentecostals, and Evangelicals, which is a mixture of which we belong here in this church, and Lutherans, and Charismatics, Butchers, Bakers, Candlestick Makers, and oh, I don't think they're denominations, but you get the idea. There's like a, a lot of things going on here, and we start to ask the question, well, what is the church then? What does it mean to be the church? And some of those sprang up from an understanding of God revealing himself in a particular way, in a particular time, to his church. You know, John Wesley, when he began the Methodist movement, he wasn't really looking to cause trouble in an Anglican church. He just felt God bring him a revelation in a new area, and he began to preach on the things he had a conviction about, and a whole new movement was birthed. And this happens generation after generation. And it's not so much that we see the church as divided but actually as understanding new expressions of who God is and for us we, we do that in a particular way in the vineyard church but the idea was that it would bring strength to the body in understanding a new aspect of who God is like if you're brand new in your faith journey or you've been doing this for a number of years you'll recognize points where you start to understand God in a new way you might have, have an understanding of his perfect peace that might be your first entry point, if you like, into encountering our Heavenly Father. But it might be as you go along that you understand that he's got joy for you as well. I don't know, that's a word we might think we understand, but when we experience joy of the Holy Spirit, it takes on a new light. But it might be a while before you explore another facet where the Lord wants to bring forgiveness into your life. Not just forgiveness uh, of 
your relationship to God in terms of whether you sin or fall short, but actually in the way that we treat others as well. And you might find yourself going through a season just exploring new facets of our Heavenly Father. And they add things to us all the time, but in the worst case scenario, they can be things that divide us. In fact, someone gets so caught up in one aspect of who God is that they become ignorant of all the other aspects of who God is. They become ignorant of all the other revelations that the Lord has given us over the years, and it's almost like a bad game of chess. Uh, have you ever seen The Queen's Gambit on Netflix? Who would have thought chess could be such an interesting drama? Like if you, if you, it's not, I'm not going to give you homework to watch it, but uh, it's kind of revived my passion for chess. That's right, I am that cool. Uh, if you ever want to hang out and spend a good time, we can play a game of chess. Um, and, but what's interesting about chess is it's a game of tactics. It's a game of strategies. And in The Queen's Gambit, you get this young girl who's this like chess protege. And she, she basically takes on the world as she grows through the years and becomes world champion. Um, and... The danger in playing a bad game of chess is that rather than trying to move everything forward to take the board, something just presses ahead and does its own thing. And when you do that, you become isolated and you get picked off piece by piece until your king finally gets taken. And, it, and again, that's a, a bit of an analogy for the church because actually when we're divided, we fall. The way you win in chess is to move as one. It's to cover uh, the blind spots. It's to add to the game as you go forward. And it's the same in the church that I believe the Lord adds things to us. And sometimes when we discover a new aspect of who God is, we forget the other stuff he's added to us. And then what happens is we think, well, this is all about worship right now. Or this is all about what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. Or this is all about understanding God's word deeper. And the danger is in overemphasizing one thing over another is that we lose out on the bigger picture. We've got to see that all of these things are actually connected. So a classic example in church is you might be a lover of music. Any music lovers in the room? You might be a lover of worship. You might love it when we spend time singing. We're going to spend an extended time in worship a little bit later on. And that might be the thing that brings you alive in your faith. Uh, but you also might be sat there thinking like, I just find that a little bit... I'm, I'm waiting for the preachy bit, you know, the talky bit. That's the thing. I want to go deeper in the word. Or maybe you're hearing this bit of our Sunday morning and you're thinking, I can't wait for the worship bit, right? And so we come in with a different emphasis. We come in with a, a different passion. And some of us are, are really passionate about music. Some of us are passionate about scripture. Some of us are, are longing for uh, ways to express our faith. And some of us are coming with ideals and values and some of us are coming with different ideals and values and we see it in a melting pot in a room like this. This is the church. That actually it's a place where we've got facets and emphasis that take us in one direction but actually when we bring it all under Jesus we've got to recognize that all of them come together to play a role. All of them come together to build up the body and that what we find is diversity in unity. Right, that's really the heart of the church is that we see diversity within the church from a place of unity. That you and I are made differently. There are things you're interested in that would bore me. There's things I'm interested in, like chess, that would bore you. There's times when we could go and we could enjoy something together because we have a common interest. And there's times where we just wouldn't go and enjoy something because it's not something we can both connect on. Like if we both went to the same gig, you might not even like the music that I like and that might not be a point of unity. And, but actually the Bible calls us to embrace the diversity within each and every person 
because it makes up the multifacet of the beautiful body of Christ. If you've got a Bible, would you turn with me quickly to Romans 12? And we're going to start at verse 3. If you haven't got a Bible, don't worry about it. It's going to come up on screen and I'm going to read it in my best Bible reading voice. It says this in verse 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Our our starting point is to uh, give ourselves over to God from the place of worship because of the great work he's done for us, because of his mercy, because of his love, because of his grace and forgiveness that we are here to worship the Lord. That's our starting point. And then verse 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. The second challenge there is to not conform, but be transformed. Just hold that idea for a second. Do not conform, but be transformed. And then verse three says this, for by the grace given me, this is the apostle Paul speaking, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so the backdrop is that we submit our hearts to God. We've got this idea of being uh, transformed and not conforming. And the danger is that when it comes to church, we think about just conformity. And conformity is not the same as unity, right? Conformity is not the same idea as unity. There's this social experiment going around on uh, social media. You can probably see it on YouTube. It's one of the most fascinating ones I've ever seen. And the idea is this, they get actors into a room. Uh, It's like a waiting room for a doctor's surgery. And a red light goes on and everyone stands up at the same time. And the red light goes off and everyone sits down again. And these actors are doing this on purpose. And a guest comes into the room who's not not one of the actors, a member of the public. And the red light goes on, they stand up. uh, And the person who's not a part of this thinks, what's going on? This is a little bit odd. Doesn't do anything. And it happens a second time. And they think, there's something happening here, but I'm not sure what it is. By the third time, they join the actors in standing up, but not really knowing why. One by one, the actors begin to leave and new members of the public come in. And as time goes on, all of the people that are members of the public are standing up when the red light turns on and sitting down when the red light turns off. And by the end of the experiment, all of the actors have left. And the only people in the room are members of the public who all stand up when the red light turns on and all sit down when the red light turns off. And none of them know why. That's conformity, not unity. Right? They, they are all behaving in the same way. They're all doing the same thing, but they don't understand why. They don't understand what is happening. And unity is not about all of us doing the same thing. It's not about all of us um, behaving in the same way, or addressing in the same manner. It's not all about us moving through the same actions, but unity is about using everything that God has put inside of you to add to the body of Christ, to be connected to the bigger picture, right? The Apostle Paul says that the church is like a body. And a hand can't say to a foot, 
I'm not like a foot, I'm a hand, I wish I was a foot, right? It, it has a particular function, it has a particular purpose. Your feet have a particular purpose and okay, you can walk on your hands, but it's not comfortable, right? It's not ideal, I mean, you can do those things, but actually when each part of the body recognises its function and it plays its role, what you have is diversity in unity. See, the hand is connected to the body, it's connected to the whole, but it's not separate. And the Bible encourages us that we are all to be one in Christ, right? That is the body. You are now a part of the body of Christ. If you follow Jesus, you're a part of the body, but you are not necessarily all a hand. You are not necessarily all a foot. You are not necessarily all an eye, an ear, a nose. You are distinct and unique. There is diversity in unity. And if you try to play the role of a different part of the body, what happens is you feel dislocated, you feel a little bit dysfunctional. And again, you can walk on your hands, but it's not the best way to do it. And so actually, when we take up the mantle of, okay, God, what is my fit in the body of Christ? What is my purpose? What is my role? And when we play that function, what we find is a body mobilized, right? We become the church that now has the hands and feet to go and reach the world. You know, if you imagine if you're a prayer warrior, the prayer life of the church, it's like the lifeblood. It's the Blood that flows around the body, it keeps us going, it keeps us alive. The, the mission could be considered perhaps as the heart. Christ is the head of the church. We see that analogy in the Bible. It, uh, worship and compassion being the hands and feet and the legs that move us forward in reaching the world for Jesus. And when we find our role, when we take our diversity and bring it into unity, it's a beautiful thing. Wouldn't it be boring if the church was full of everybody like me? We'd all be playing chess every week wouldn't it be boring if it was like you I'm not being rude I'm just saying that you're all beautifully unique and actually isn't it great the differences that come together in the room but isn't it even more beautiful when we come together in unity right isn't it even more beautiful when we're connected to the body of Christ that his body is not to be fractured and dislocated but to walk together in unity, And what we find is that we're notes in a symphony. We're a part of the whole. Which I think is a beautiful analogy. If you listen to classical music while playing chess. Uh, <laughs> my wife loves my evenings. Um, what you'll find is that there's, there's these notes that move you in a certain way. And there's these notes that resonate. And there's these notes that take you to an emotional level. But they're not the whole symphony. They're a part of the symphony. And actually, we're to be the church that is a part of the symphony. We're notes in a symphony. And the prayer of Jesus, which I've run out of time to share in great detail, do read it in your own time, John 17, is that we might be united with the Father and with Jesus. We're going to go to John 17, verse 24, very quickly. This is what it says, Father, this is Jesus praying, I want those you have given me to be with me, where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Verse 25, righteous father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that you, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus's prayer for those that follow him is that we may be united in the father, united in Christ and united with one another for his glory, for his purpose. You know, one of the greatest church expressions is in Iran. 
and it's, um, it's an underground church. It's very much illegal to be a Christian there. And it's run by women uh, who just gathered to pray. And it's one of the largest churches in Iran. It has no kind of formal structure. And I'm not advocating for informal structure or anything like that. I'm just saying it's unique that there's an expression of church that is connected to the body that is very different to ours. There's an underground church in China that is house group focused and it's, it's run by this, this sense of love for Christ and finding purpose and community in pockets of rural villages. I'm not saying that's what we should do. I'm saying that's a beautiful aspect of the church. There's, there's churches in South Africa which gather together, one, because it's a great way to get to a place of, of safety and a very difficult place to live at times in some of those rural villages. Uh, and the way they do life together is very different to ours. I'm not saying we should do what they do in South Africa. I'm saying it's a beautiful part of the church. You know, there's churches up and down our country that, that meet like this. And I'm not saying we should all become one massive church connected to the same organizational structure. I'm just saying that there's lots of churches that are really beautiful and worship in unique ways. In our borough, Libby and I have been pastors here for about three, four months now. And we've moved into the area and we didn't come in thinking we're going to take Sutton, we're going to be the biggest church, we're going to see loads of things happen and all of these other churches haven't been doing a great job. No. How arrogant would that be? What we recognize is that we're a part of the body. We're not just a part of a body in this room, we're a part of the body of the global church, of the national church, of the regional church, not just vineyard churches, but the whole church that submits their hearts and lives to Jesus. Jesus' body Expressed in the church is not dislocated, it's diverse and unique. There's people that have a heart to worship in the high Anglican churches, very ritualistic in some ways, but actually it takes them to a place of deep worship with the Lord. There's churches like us here in the vineyard where we're a bit more informal and relaxed. And they're not right or wrong, they're, they're flavors and expressions of the church. And I really believe that God has put it on our heart to be the church that champions the church. I'm not talking about ignoring misdeeds. I'm not talking about scandal. I'm not talking about churches that blow up in the worst kind of ways. You could Google that and find plenty. But I'm saying for those that submit their hearts and life to Jesus, that we will always speak well of others. That we'll always speak well of other churches, that we won't knock other churches that are extending the kingdom of God. We won't tear down what a church is doing down the road. But actually we recognize that we are one of many churches looking to see the kingdom of God extended. That we want to be people that champion the church outside of our church. We want to be championing each other as we are the diverse body of Christ. That none of us should be despising the hand or the foot. None of us should be despising a role that we play in church. It all works together to bring the body of Christ to a place of mobilization that we might see the hurt, the broken, and the lost saved and encounter Jesus. That we might bring them into the body. They might share the same joy that we have in knowing the glory of being restored in relationship to our Father, and being forgiven of our sins with Jesus, and being made right and whole, and being given a hope of a future and a promise. It's a challenge, isn't it? I'm just going to invite the worship team to join us. And again, whatever your, your kind of emphasis, you might have really enjoyed the talky bit, or you might have just been waiting for the worship. But I'd encourage you, there's aspects of serving at every level. It's interesting, Lily shared about our kids growing, they're learning to be a part of the body. Right? We're a multi-generational church. That is our heart, every age and every range. We have a role to play. 
And every church in our nation has a role to play. God's plan is not just for us here in Sutton. It's not just for you in your workplace and in your families, although it is those things. It is also for the city of London. It's also for the nation of the UK. It's also for the world. And our question is, what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to champion the church in all of those things, to be built up as the body of Christ, to be mobilized as the hands and feet, to make sure that we don't despise and tear down other people. Okay, there's people that do it differently over there. There's a TikTok ministry that there is, believe me. I don't know what that is, but I'm not going to tear it down. Actually, if they're preaching Jesus, I'm going to champion them. I could never do that. If there's people that are serving in an area that's different to what my passion is, I'm going to champion them. But if there's a different church taking ground in the area of Sutton, I'm going to champion them. There's plenty of unsafe people to go around. That actually, if there's a church that worships in a different way, I'm going to champion them. There's every flavor, but it's one body, not disconnected. There's no franchise and brand in heaven. We will stand shoulder to shoulder with everyone who's professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We'll worship together. The Bible says, every eye will see, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. We'll worship the Lord. And so that's the challenge, church, as we worship. Would you stand with me this morning? And as the band just begins to play, I just want to set us off in a thought direction as we begin to sing in worship. And it's this. Imagine if we could be the church that champions the wider body. Imagine if we could be the church that is so secure, it doesn't matter what other churches are doing. Because we're not in competition, we're pulling in the same direction to see Jesus made known in our area. What if we could be the church that sees the kingdom of God extended, recognizing it's going to take more than us? What would happen if we became known for our unity? Seeing every role, every unique gift added to the body of Christ to be mobilized to see the kingdom of God extended. Not just here, not just in the nation, but in the world. What would happen if we played our role, did our bit in our corner of the world to build up the body of Christ? And what would happen if we submit our hearts from the place of worship to continually make that our prayer that, Lord, your will be done? Father, would you challenge our hearts this morning? Would you help us to see the bigger picture? Would you help us to carry ourselves in confidence because we're going to need it to go to the place that you're going to be taking us in the coming years? Lord, would you help us to play well with others? We don't say these things because we're not doing them already, but we know that as you are made known in this area, as this church continues to grow, it will be an increasing challenge. But Father, we're not here to take space for ourselves. We're here to take space for the kingdom. That the lost, the broken and the hurting might meet Jesus. And as we worship God, that's the place we start. That's where we're bringing our adoration and thanks this morning. May we be your hands and feet in Jesus' name. Amen.